Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. To smash or not to smash the wedding cake in your bride's face on the day of your wedding. This is controversial territory. It's been making its rounds on everywhere from Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, videos of husbands, grooms making the biggest mistake of their lives (laughs) in smashing the wedding cake in their wives' faces. There was a story that came out for the last couple weeks, uh, or sorry, last week, of a 27-year-old woman who left her husband after he smashed a cake in her face. What are your thoughts? Numbers 888-914-9149. Gentlemen, if you smash the cake in your wife's face, in hindsight, do you regret it? And if so, why? And I would really love to hear someone defend why they, to this day, still think it was a good idea to smash the cake. They really smashed the cake in their wife's face. So call me. The number is 888-914-9149. Today on Trending, we're going to discuss Plan B in crisis pregnancy centers in California. Uh, Some of the trends... We really need to step up our game. It's frightening. We're having a hard time reaching the abortion-minded, the abortion-vulnerable woman here in California. And it's not just in California. It's other places as well. We also are taking your questions. The number is 888-914-9149. Tons of questions flooded in over the weekend on social media. And I also want to talk about whether or not we should demand more of ourselves. Should I demand more of myself? Should you demand more of yourself in terms of expectations rising to the occasion? That's what this part of Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body is all about. It's a human anthropology, that growth mindset that we hear a lot about in the corporate world or just for personal development. It really stems from the fact that God created us to be with him and he has his law written on our hearts and we are called to come into his greatest desire for us, and that is for us to be with him in heaven eternally. But what needs do we need to fulfill in order to get there? We'll talk about that today on Trending. But let's get back to this topic, wedding cake. So you'll be really hungry if you are driving home from work, if you had a late lunch, which I did. (laughs) I'm not as hungry for a wedding cake right now. But should you smash the cake in your wife's face? This story was sent to me last week. And I immediately, immediately thought of many conversations I've heard over the years about animus between spouses over the cake smashing. Now, not just that, I have a extended family member who had a cake smashed in her face many years ago, over 40 years ago. And the wedding video, she was someone who actually had a wedding video from all those years ago. And the wedding video documents it all. It's like reliving the fight over and over again every time the cousins or siblings go back and watch that wedding video because here comes the cake smashing. And those wounds run deep with cake smashing. I get it. I understand. You could probably guess my perspective on this. And I'm interested to hear yours. 
Gentlemen, if you smash the cake in your wife's face, I would be curious to hear you defend it or maybe share in hindsight why you wouldn't do it. I really do have, I guess, a rather passionate take on this. And I'd be curious to see, you know, maybe in hindsight, if you would have changed your mind on this one. So here's the deal. This 27-year-old woman left her husband after he smashed the cake in her face. Family on both sides, from the new husband to the her own family, are calling her immature, telling her, you know, come back, get over it. But here's the context. Here's the context. And even without this context, I had a lot of empathy for her. And I know as Catholics, we firmly, firmly believe that when you take those vows, that marriage is for life. That's what the sacrament of matrimony is. Even if you choose to leave your spouse, you are still married in the eyes of God, unless for some reason through the appeal process, your marriage is is proclaimed, declared by the Catholic Church as nullified, meaning that a marriage never actually existed. There was something in the context when you entered into that marriage that made it so that it wasn't valid. But here, just let's talk about, though, that mindset when you get married. I get it. It's funny videos. I'm like the rest of people. I could go for a good laugh now and again. I don't know. I've not really watched these videos, but I know it's a big trend to watch wedding cake smashing videos. Here's this woman's story. 27 years old. She leaves her husband after he smashes cake in her face. Conversation beforehand was he kept watching these wedding cake smashing videos. And he kept showing them to his fiance. And she said, don't do it. She kept saying, don't do it. He keeps showing her the videos. And she says, Please don't do it. If you do, I will leave you. She outright told him, do not smash cake in my face. But there's more to it. She, he knew the inside trauma that she had from an experience growing up. Her family loved to smash cakes in people's faces. Lo and behold, it was about her ninth birthday. And she was really, really all dolled up, very excited about how she gotten ready for her birthday Hey, just think about this little girl, probably in her party dress, whatever she did to get ready. You know, she's here having her birthday. Time comes, sing happy birthday. And her family smashes her face in the cake in front of all the party guests. She takes off to her bedroom, never comes out for the rest of the party or the rest of the day. It's a really upsetting experience. She doesn't think that it's funny when her family smashes cake in people's faces. And I know we're getting into this territory of what people do and don't think is funny. But I really thinking about this, this is a sign of betrayal. She had this great wound and she made a really clear request to her husband. Just think about it. It's your wedding day. You are getting married. For a lot of women, it's the most beautiful and the most expensive life that, sorry, most expensive dress that a woman will ever wear in her life. It is the most expensive occasion that she will ever spend money on, very likely. It, this is the day where a woman is presenting the best of her beauty, hopefully both interiorly and exteriorly. There is such a thing as bridezilla. And I don't think this woman's being a bridezilla. That you're presenting to your husband as a gift. It's a celebration of your life. And as Catholics, it's a celebration, if it's been so, celebration of your virginity, the gift of virtue, the celebration of marriage, the prosperous side of coming into having children in time. And so this was a great betrayal for her. She told him, don't do it. I'll leave you if you do. And the trauma of her childhood, he knew was there a very painful memory. And... 
it was interesting because I want, I thought, okay, am I taking this way too seriously? I started asking different people's perspectives. And Grant, there was the occasional man who said, that's hilarious. I did it or I wanted to do that, but my wife didn't want to. But then I was talking to my husband about this. And he said, if a husband can't be trusted on the wedding day to do something so fundamental as honor her, especially when she shared the past trauma or she's just requested that he not do it. Or just in general, it's a childish thing to do. It's very immature. It calls into question what a husband will do during marriage. And I know, I know they're the naysayers. That's why I would love to hear your thoughts on this. The number is 888-914-9149. If you did it, what did you learn from it in hindsight? If you smashed the cake in your spouse's face. I do think it calls into trust when it comes to your husband. And my big thing is, who does the man do it for when he smashes cake in his wife's face? The most glorious, beautiful day in terms of how she's gotten re- ready and the amount of money she's spent on everything from potentially a dress to having her hair done to maybe even having her makeup done too. Who does he do it for? He's showing off. He's doing it for himself to get a laugh at the uh, at the deficit of his wife. He's getting a laugh or entertaining other people. It's not honoring the wedding vows to honor, to cherish, to love, to serve, to respect your spouse. So if you smash the cake in your wife's face, I am very curious. In hindsight, do you regret it? What did you learn from it? Because I do think there's a lot to be said here of violating what you enter into when you enter into the vows of marriage, fidelity, honor, service. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Richard's on line one. Richard from California. What are your thoughts on the should you or should you not smash the cake in your wife's face on your wedding day? So, Tim Marie, I did not smash my uh, cake on my wife's face. Good man. One, one, <laughs> it's disrespectful. Two, me and my wife, we pretty much paid for our wedding. So all the dresses and the tux and everything like that. So we spent a lot of money on the dress. Why ruin a good dress? And not only that, we spent money to get her makeup done. It was and her hair done. So it's like you were talking about all this stuff. Why would we want to just for a photo op or a laugh? You know, why would we do that? You know, so advice to any man out there that's thinking about it. Don't (laughs) do it. And anytime I go to a friend's wedding, I always tell him, hey, man. Don't smash the cake, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Put it in there gently and then give her a nice, sweet kiss after. You will. It's going to be on film. It's going to be on on um, video. So don't do it. That's all <laughs> advice I got. Sound advice to any bachelor or engaged man, Richard. I think that's great. Now, I like something you mentioned. You paid for your own wedding with your wife. And I think there's a takeaway on that is maybe do you think the immaturity of the cake smashing sometimes has to do with the lack of value of the day if maybe people aren't putting their own money into the event? I, I, yeah, I, that that could be, yes. I mean, if you're not paying for it, then what's the, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, I think that has to do with it too. You know, it's, and then not only that, my, my aunt, uh, my aunt, my wife's uncle is a wedding coordinator. He puts together weddings and he, actually told me not to do it too he said it's very tacky don't do it so um i think if you pay for your wedding you will think about that stuff a little bit more but if someone's paying for it you're really not going to think about it too much 
Okay, Richard. So here's the flip side because it's not just men who are smashing wedding cake in women's faces. What about when the lady does it and maybe doesn't expect it in return? Mm, you know what? If my wife did it to me, I probably would have got a laugh out of it. I wouldn't have been upset because I, 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 I just think it would have been funny, you know, and I like people. I make like to make people laugh. And that's just me, though. Um, so I wouldn't have minded, but she was very respectful of me too. She didn't want to do it to me. So, cause I didn't do it to her. So we got a little piece of cake, put it in our mouths and then gave each other a nice kiss after. And that was all for a photo op and for, and it made good photos. Our photo op, funny story. So our photo op was, I didn't really like the whole, everyone's different, you know, intertwined glasses for drinking your first glass of champagne, or maybe for the wedding cake, you take your first bites or feed each other the first bites. I wasn't into that. We just cut the cake together and had our nice little picture and moved along. But thankfully, my husband didn't thought this was an immature thing to do in smashing wedding cake in your spouse's face okay i'm curious to hear what michael thinks michael in albuquerque uh, new mexico or minnesota is that minnesota welcome to trending okay the question of the hour is the cake smashing should cake be smashed in your wife's face and if you did it what did you learn in hindsight well albuquerque is new mexico not minnesota for one but uh yeah no I'm, i'm not married i i uh came close to it at one point but i've been praying for a wife for about 20 years now. I'm 37 years old. Um, and my, my take is this, you know, on the one hand, when I read the story, I thought it was kind of dumb. She's overreacting. But like, when you explain like the fact that she had this prior trauma, it's the story, like that completely changed it for me because, you know, like you're entering a marriage with someone, this is a sacred thing. And it fundamentally comes down to, you know, you should be so happy joining your life to, to this person. And if you can't respect them while you're doing that, you shouldn't be marrying them. Like, if they have a serious past issue. Now, that, that's not to say that, like, every little thing should be grounds to just walk away. But like you said, like, this girl was very clear. She was up front like why she felt this way that she felt so strongly everything was out in the open and he just thought like rules don't apply to me and you know i mean i hope she does if she was catholic i hope she gets an annulment um you know uh etc because you know that's just blatant disrespect and you know like like some people just really don't value marriage in our cultures. I think what it comes down to, you know, everything's a joke. Yeah. Maybe. And I think Mike, that's key. I think sometimes we are so blase about what marriage is or we're blase about something key. And I think that's respect, the respect that a woman shows her husband and the love that a man shows his wife. And that's why I really do call into question a violation of vows here. If you are willing to humiliate your spouse to show off and um, to kind of get a laugh at her expense, that's problematic. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. News story broke. 27-year-old woman left her husband after he smashed the cake in her face. Family on both sides are asking her to grow up. She's being immature. But I agree. He was the immature one, and it's concerning. What What is he willing to bring into the marriage if he can't be trusted? She begged him, don't do this. He kept sending her funny videos about it. She said, please don't do it. If you will, she told him, I'll leave you. She even has shared with him privately because he's 
he was her fiance and now husband. Her childhood trauma of having her face cat crushed into her own face or her cake crushed into her own cake face into cake okay got it there we go at her birthday party when she was about nine she was so traumatized she didn't come out so i think there's much to be said of it and it does touch on this disregard for marriage or maybe an immaturity coming into marriage what are you getting married for this would be a great conversation to have as part of your marriage prep why you shouldn't smash the cake in your spouse's face. If you do, that is a big sign to run. But maybe you disagree with me. I would welcome the disagreement if you did it and everything was honky-dory in hindsight, which I'm not getting any of those calls. The number is 888-914-9149. Let's see, Mike in Virginia is on the line. Mike, what are your thoughts on the cake smashing and this woman leaving her husband on day one after he smashed the cake in her face? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, are you talking to me? Yes, Mike. Okay, I'm sorry. I was in West Virginia, so that's why that threw me off a little bit. Um, so, first of all, uh, can you hear me okay? We can hear you great. What are your thoughts on this? Okay. Okay. Um, first of all, I did not smash cake in my wife's face, only because neither one of us wanted to get messy. It, wasn't, it wouldn't have been embarrassing. But, um, and if, and if somebody truly asks you not to do it, you should respect them and not do it. But I will say this from a 50, from the perspective, if I can, of a 50 something year old man who has been married for almost 30 years. If, if the worst thing that you ever do to each other is smash a little food in your faces, you are going to have the most successful marriage that has ever been. And I mean that the, the trials and tribulations of a marriage, you know, from someone who is in a successful and loving Christian Catholic marriage um, in, in, you know, in this world that we live in now of, you know, triggered hurt feelings. I, I think uh, if, if the worst thing you ever do to each other is smash a little food in each other's face, I think I think you, you can you can count on having a successful marriage. Now, did you smash the cake in your wife's face? No, no, I did not. No, no, no yeah. we did not. Why not? Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's I, right. I, I, I thought so. Yeah. 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 So are you right. sure you didn't because you didn't want to get messy? You weren't concerned about being embarrassing. Interesting. I like your take. I think that is key. You know, understanding, hey, like, if this is the only thing that you do that could be harmful, you know, that that's fantastic. And here you are 30 years later in marriage, but you didn't smash the cake, wedding cake. In each other's face. I think that's key. Okay, welcome to Trending. Charles from Fremont, California. What's your take on the cake smashing? To smash or not to smash on your bride? Well, I was thinking about looking at it from a sacramental perspective. If we're celebrating any other sacrament, is that something we would do? Does it, does it befit the, the solemnity and the dignity of the sacrament or, or not? Just from a sacramental perspective, it doesn't mm -hmm. seem too fitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Like, what's the right way to honor and not honor something? And I think there are a lot of elements to the discussion on that front. What honors the sacrament of matrimony? And isn't that what's so great is that I love a good Catholic party, a good reason to party. And as Catholics, we could party for days celebrating weddings. And whether it's weddings, it's baptisms. Baptisms are huge in our family. We had a huge party for both of my daughter's baptism. It was great. Everyone was invited. We had a wonderful time. Uh, and so here you are with something such as a wedding. Oh, is this the right way to be 
celebrating it. I get it. I think it's great. Anne in Anaheim, California. Thoughts on the cake smashing and this 27-year-old woman leaving her husband? Hi. Um, I just was wondering, did he... First of all, I think it's awful. I didn't want mine to, my husband to do it. He did not. I do I totally agree with you. It's, it's showing a sign of respect. But it's also a sign of immaturity on his part. But I'm just wondering... Did he realize afterwards how awful it is and has he apologized for it? Because then I think maybe it could be a lesson learned. And if everything else was great, she could try to forgive, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to do and let them? I didn't hear that part of the story. Right. I think that that forgiveness is key. Um, And here's the deal. I think that I'm pretty sure I heard that he had apologized. But at that point, she's like, too late, right? Like way too late. And I get that. And I do get the perspective, like you need to forgive people, but given he humiliated her, you know, just thoughts on that. Cause even if he did apologize after the fact, he just humiliated her in front of everyone, not just from the perspective of she begged him not to, she has a past trauma, but now he did it in front of everyone and she's having, and she walks away. She's probably embarrassed on that perspective as well. Well, I don't you know. I mean, here we are forgiving our husbands if they cheat on us. We're supposed to be trying to look for, for that for that forgiveness. And I just think perhaps she could be looking a little bit more. It would, it really would depend on how he gave the apology because sometimes you feel like they're just saying it or if he really meant it. And maybe this is a good time for them to go into some therapy right up, up front to realize how they need to work on their communication skills. Um, and if ever, it, I guess it depends on more than just that. And there must be something more for her to really say she's divorcing him in, in my thoughts. Cause I think, I feel like it's a pretty severe when guys are just silly and goofy. 27 is not very old. And, um, I just feel like, you know, they do still have a lot to grow up even at that age. This is immature. I think that's a great take in. And I love something you said in marriage. We have. In Catholic marriage, we're called even to forgive. If your spouse, if your marriage, you're in a Catholic marriage, your spouse cheats on you years into the marriage. That wasn't something that was a part of like originally that you never knew about when you got married because it's not grounds for annulment in that perspective. You're called to forgive. And we see miraculous marriages that are redeemed. There's a great book uh, that says it's titled Impossible Marriages Redeemed. It's compiled by Layla Miller and marriages that are on the brink of divorce that come back from civil divorce and people come back together honoring the sacrament of matrimony. But what you said is key, like you're called to forgive your spouse what even when they do something as horrific as cheat on you. But my question for you, Anne, would be, is it different because it's right there day one you thought you were both on the same page and this immature thing happens. You excuse it and say, hey, he was immature, and like you said, it's young, guys still got to grow up, or is this grounds for just addressing a bigger problem that's very concerning? Yeah, I, I mean, I see your point, because you feel like it is early on, but, you know, they're, they're married right now, so I think this is an indication of, are they, is she willing to try to work through things, and are they willing to listen to each other and grow? So sometimes, even after the most worst case scenarios going through and learning how you should be communicating with your spouse ends up making it very strong so I mean all we can do is hope it would depend on how he he reacts to it but if they could from this really feed off of good communication they may end up with a great marriage because he made a mistake right away and they're able to start communicating right off and he goes you know I really need to listen to her she means it when I say something when she says Mm -hmm. something and 
I can't just fluff this off. And maybe I do really need to grow up because this is serious and I'm about to lose the love of my life. So, I mean, I think he needs to take that reaction. Here, I'm losing the love of my life. I need to listen to this lady. You know, this is my wife. And hopefully they can grow from it. I think that's a great take. Like, if they can grow from this, this could be a major game-changing experience for them. He goes, wow, I need to grow up. I need to honor my wife. I need to protect her, right? So is cake smashing, and and that's what kills me here, is I just look at it, and it's such a violation of the vows to honor, to protect, to serve, to be faithful to your spouse. It's the exact opposite. And thanks to your keen intake on this. Lots of people have thoughts. I'll come back to this in a moment. The number is 888-914-9149. To smash or not to smash a wedding cake in your wife's face on your wedding day. If you did it, what did you learn from it? I want to hear from that person because I've not heard from someone yet who actually went for it and smashed the cake in their spouse's face. We'll be right back here on Trending. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Okay, this is the debacle. Should you smash cake in your wife's face on your wedding day? This has sparked controversy all over the internet. And interestingly, my mom sent this to me on Friday, or Thursday or Friday, and it's blown up even more since then. I'm looking at more of the story, and this woman had posted on Reddit that she had wedding cake smashed in her face, 27 years old, her groom's 29. She He promised her he wouldn't do it, even though he kept showing video after video to her of cake smashing. And she had a traumatic event when she was a kid. And I thought she was nine. She was 17 years old. I stand corrected. When she had a birthday party, her family had a history of cake smashing. 17 years old. And she had a cake smash in her face, which, by the way, a detail I forgot to share. The smashing was significant enough that it actually caused bleeding on her face. She was okay. But that's how embarrassing and just violent kind of was what they did so she is not going back the original post has been taken off reddit but she ended up sharing that she's you know picked up her things from the house and she is headed her way to go work on some therapy after this experience because she is not looking back after he smashed the cake in her face now if you smash cake in your spouse's face your wedding day what did you learn from it? How did things go? I would be curious to hear your thoughts. Helen from Patterson, California is on the line. Helen, welcome to Trending. What are your thoughts? Um, my husband and I, we did smash cakes in our face. We didn't do it hard. It was in a loving way. It wasn't a um, vicious way. It did get a little rough at the end when, when one got a little bit too much up the nose and it went went over other place. But it was all in fun. I was 20. My husband's 21. We've been married 38 years. We learned to take, you know, give and take. We had a big, we had good communication. I think that's the biggest thing. If she didn't communicate that this trauma happened to her, you know, how does the husband know? Um, I think communication is, is, a, is the big key before. We went to, to um you know, pre, you know, you go to your pre-marriage and we had a great time. We learned, we were young and everybody's in their twenties and 25 here. I'm 20 and 21 and we were young kids, but, and maybe we were immature, but 
and that could be a lot of it. Maturity. We were still young and wanted to have fun. So I think it just depends on your relationship that you have from the beginning with your mm-hmm. with your spouse when you're dating. So we, it sounds- did. we had a great time. And it sounds like, Helen, that was perhaps part of your humor. Like, as a couple and together, it's something you mutually knew would be funny. Did you plan ahead of time to smash the cake in each other's faces? No, no. We had, basically, it was peer pressure, to be honest. We had the whole crowd yelling, do it, do it. And, well, we just went ahead and did it, you know. So <laughs> it wasn't a planned thing. We just was a spur of the moment. But we're that kind of a people, too. We are kind of a spur of the moment. Let's Let's go do this. And... So just, and that's what you have to find when, when you're going to get married, you really have to just, you know, share with each other, know your ins and outs, um, face your fears, tell each other your fears. Don't wait until you're married. I mean, mm-hmm. cause you might find something you don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a good thing to have that good communication before you get married. Now, Helen, you got married 30 years ago. Do you think the wedding industry is the same as it was then? And do you think maybe so much emphasis has been put on, do you think more emphasis has been put on the you know upkeep of the hair, the makeup and everything that maybe people are looking at this differently today than they did back then? Yes, because when I got married, I had no planning. There was no br- bride Brazilla or gr- whatever they called the Brazilla, whatever they call it, the I didn't plan anything. (laughs) Yeah, Brightzilla. My parents did everything. I just showed up for the day. And it was fantastic because there was no pressure on me. They did everything. I took what they gave. If that's what they could afford, that's what we took. You know, it just was more simpler when the the family put the wedding on and not the the bride or the the groom. Um, I did have some say-so. I wanted certain colors. I didn't like I didn't have any say so but I also was very grateful for whatever I received because I we weren't you know we weren't like rich I mean I can't imagine people paying twenty thirty thousand dollars for a wedding mm-hmm. it's, it's beyond my I told my girls I had five kids and three of them are girls and I said girls you do understand we're, we're you know and they they totally understand if they want something more than what we can give then it's on them so it's it's just a really weird, in, yeah, it's really weird mm-hmm. from yeah. 1985 to 2000 and, yeah. Yeah, the wedding industry's changed. And, you know, I got married, thank God, uh, a, year, a year before, or more than a year before the COVID outbreak. And I saw so many of my friends navigating weddings during COVID. And I have so much respect for them because they really had to navigate a, a difference in a commercial mindset of a wedding versus very sacramental focused of wedding. And it was neat to see how everyone did something different and how they handled it private. Um, I didn't really see anyone wait. I've heard of people waiting, but none of them were, were Catholic or practicing Catholics. You know, we spent about $10,000 on our wedding, we paid for it, a good majority of it ourselves. My sister and I got married two weeks apart. So that was a lot on my parents at once. And, you know, I just look at the entire thing and we had a blast. We had a blast. We had a great wedding. No, we did not smash cakes in our wet in each other's faces. I had my hair done. I wore my grandmother's wedding dress from my great grandmother's wedding dress from the early 1930s. It just full head to toe lace, long sleeves. It was wonderful. And we had to you know do some repairs on it, and we had a slip made for underneath it. But the cost versus a normal wedding dress was totally different. I was able to have a really pretty wedding veil made. Uh, we had like a royal cathedral length wedding uh, wedding veil, and I did my own makeup. 
I had my hair done. I did my own makeup and I'm really glad I did my own makeup. You know, I think today people feel so much pressure to make their wedding what someone else's was or to have that particular hairstyle that maybe you don't have hair for that or maybe you never wear makeup like that and you're literally itching at your face all day during the wedding and uncomfortable. Uh, there's so much to be said, I think, for the debate that is ensuing around cake smashing in the face, but I'm not seeing people who say, go for it. It's a great idea. I'm hearing people who say, in the case of you, Helen, the only person who called in who smashed cake in each other's faces 30 years ago, it was it was kind of your humor. It was spur of the moment. That was just how you guys were, and you had enough communication in that moment to see that as everyone's encouraging you to do this, you were able to communicate, even if it wasn't verbally, uh, how to move forward. And may I ask, like, was there any verbal communication before you smashed cake in each other's faces? Or was it kind of just like this look that you understood that you knew you were on the same page first? Yeah, we just kind of looked at each other. We kind of, you know, you kind of do that hesitation. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay, here we go. And then it was done. So it was kind of a, it was a verbal, yeah, it was just eye contact, smiling, little, you know, okay, we're going to do it. He actually waited for me to go ahead and go forward for it. So, you know, as a gentleman, he said, okay, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it too. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I could have, I could have said no, and he would have totally said no. So afterwards, the big tradition at our house is that when you go home, you go get thrown in the pool. Well, I had a cashmere dress on, and I looked at them and said, oh. you are not throwing me in the pool. And they didn't, but they okay. chased my husband down, threw him in the pool. <laughs> oh, you know, no. So. It's just, I think it was the humor of the family. You know, you have to see what you're going to marry and, and what they're going to marry. There's all kinds of customs. You know, it, it just, I think it's you have to know the family. Um, you have me very so, distracted yeah. now with a cashmere dress. I'm so curious what that looked like. That sounds really, really neat. Uh, Helen, okay, last question here, because you said you got married when you were 20. Do you think age plays a part in this where you're maybe a little more relaxed when you're 20? Like, everyone has their own personality, but you're 20, you're a little more risky, and maybe it's not as big of a deal versus some of these people who are waiting so long, feel like their single years have been delayed, and they're putting a lot of weight on that day maybe too much so that there's a difference in terms of even just the age approach of it as well. Yes, I agree. Yes. That's why I said I was 20. You know, 20 year old, just, yeah, let's go for it. If I was, you know, in my thirties, I probably would have said, Oh no. And I had my face and my hair done. I did my own hair. I don't wear makeup. So I had a little bit of lipstick, a little bit of eye, you know, a little bit of mascara on. I mean, so I was very, it was a very natural looking, you know, and we were in a wedding, we were in a, in a church. I mean, I wish people would go get married in churches again. It's, I've been so many outside marriages. I'm like, oh, go back to the church. It's so beautiful that be under God. So. Thank you for calling, sharing your story, Helen. So many thoughts to this cake debate. If you have a thought you'd like to share me, maybe you have a story to share. You can write in Find me at relevantradio.com where we have the show page. You can write me an email or on social media. Just follow me at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. We're coming back and we're going to talk about Plan B and crisis pregnancy centers in California, what's happening, as well as taking your questions. The number is 888-914-9149.
We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I live in California, and I've been talking a lot to Pregnancy Resource Center directors. If you don't know what a Pregnancy Resource Center is, every time I talk to someone who is pro-abortion, their jaw drops. They call me a liar and don't believe what I have to say. Pregnancy Resource Centers give everything to women and for free. From helping them to get therapy if they need therapy, to helping them find a job, helping put them through college, get a car, find housing, unlimited diapers and wipes, to the point that they make sure they're not enabling someone in an unhealthy lifestyle, but to help take care of mom, to help take care of baby, to help a woman to be able to care for her new child, and to help to bond and strengthen any relationships, whether it be familial with a boyfriend or a husband, whoever that father the baby is, if the person needs to be out of their life, helping to provide guidance. What crisis pregnancy centers do is life-changing. It is miraculous. I am amazed, and I'll never forget how often I have told women, whether it's standing in front of the abortion clinic or debating someone, that there are people waiting to provide services and for free. And often people say, oh, what is a government service? Nope. Nope, it's generous people in local communities with thousands of crisis pregnancy centers just waiting to help someone. And this is the truth of the matter, but something devastating. I want to tell you this. Devastating is happening. And it's all over the state of California, maybe happening other places as well. It has been happening other places. But since Roe versus Wade was overturned, California's basically a sanctuary state for abortion. I mean, we help fund people to come in from out of state. There's unfettered access and funding for abortion in our state. It's very sad. But our crisis pregnancy centers, pregnancy resource centers, their rooms are empty. I'm hearing from pregnancy resource centers who have not seen women who are abortion-minded in months, a year. Because why? Well, For years, it's been harder than ever before to reach an abortion-minded or what we'd also call an abortion-vulnerable. So abortion-minded woman is someone who's intent on obtaining an abortion. An abortion-vulnerable woman is someone who's at risk of seeking an abortion. It used to be they were easier to reach. But with Plan B, for years now, we've seen young women at all costs making sure they don't get pregnant. Or what I should say, making sure pregnancy does not continue. So first, regular usage of everything from condoms to hormonal contraception. But a lot of women we found in the pregnancy resource centers, these girls are taking plan B over and over again, day after day, after every time they have an intimate experience to avoid pregnancy. Now, something shocking happened a few weeks ago. My mom gave me a call and she said, I just left Rite Aid. And she said, as I'm checking out, I'm at the cashier, I'm and I'm leaving, you may know Rite Aid among other places. I think even Walmart. A lot of people are looking at Walmart as a solution to not going to Target anymore. But even Walmart, and I just realized this the other day, they sell Plan B. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they still do. A lot of places sell Plan B. Plan B kills a baby in the early stages of life. It can function two ways. It can prevent sperm and egg from ever meeting, but if a new life has been conceived, it is a chemical bomb that, by the way, is so bad for a woman's body that is meant to kill the baby. And girls are taking it every time they have an intimate relation with a man. 
Which is sad because we should know our bodies well enough to know that babies don't come always. And women don't even have enough education in the school systems to know their bodies enough to say you don't need to nuke your body with chemicals every single time. You shouldn't be to begin with, but that's how limited the knowledge of one's body is today. But my mom's there at Rite Aid and she looks, she's talking to the cashier and she looks over and there's this big locked clear box and in it is plan B. And like any pro-lifer, she, I mean, anyone knows what plan B is. She said, why is that there? That That's kind of disgusting. And the worker says, well, actually, it's there because it's one of the co- most common bought items in the store. And it's also the most commonly stolen items in the store. So we have it here for convenience because people buy it so often. But we also have it here because people will steal it. And so we keep it under lock and key and make it keep it heavily supplied. My heart, my heart was breaking hearing this. That women are literally chemically nuking their bodies over and over again, often when they're not pregnant, but doing severe damage to their entire endocrine system, their future ability to have children, and the scar tissue, the ectopic ectopic tubal pregnancies that can occur later on. It is so sad. And being someone who has polycystic ovarian syndrome and Hashimoto's in my past, praise God, we've been able to treat and heal and keep that at bay. Um, my heart breaks because a lot of women already are struggling with infertility and fertility issues. And to know that women who will one day want to have children in the short term are bombing their bodies as a just in case or bombing their bodies and killing their babies with plan B at such frequent rates that Rite Aid has to put plan B under lock and key, both to keep it accessible right there at the front counter, but also to make sure that people don't steal it. It begs the question, what are we doing to support women? Because I am i just heard about one crisis pregnancy center here in Southern California. Hasn't seen an abortion vulnerable woman in about a year. I heard of another full-fledged medical women's health facility that helps women in crisis pregnancy. She has five empty exam rooms every single day because they are not able to reach women because women are going so quickly to obtain their abortions today. Planned Parenthood's marketing campaigns are so front and center that we're having a hard time reaching girls. It's not just California. It's other places as well. Even places such as Florida. Girls are being told where abortion has significant, significant restrictions. Women are being told just take take Plan P. Take Are You 46? Take it right away and rapidly and don't tell anyone and just be quiet It's making it really hard to reach a woman who's abortion vulnerable. And so my message is this. Fight for laws that protect human life. Fight to make sure that your local grocery store, drugstore, Walmart, wherever, no longer sells Plan B. Right, wherever it is. Fight. Fight for life so that women do not have access to abortion. Because we do what is easy for us as human beings. We do what is convenient. And when suddenly it's not convenient to access abortion, women are less likely to have them. And the further away from that abortion attempt or that abortion desire is, the more likely, the more likely it is that a woman will be happier and happier the longer the time gap continues. And I want to share something that's really important. Statistics show that since the pro-life law was implemented over two years ago now. 
in the state of Texas, they are seeing an additional thousand babies, thousand babies a year being born. That's phenomenal. That's a miracle. That is God. And it's because people, simple people said no and fought from a legal perspective, from a social media perspective, from a resource perspective. There are so many elements to how you can be pro-life and uphold and uphold the work that is done to save children. And we have a lot of work to do to support women so that women are less likely to quickly end the lives of their children to kill them. Helping to address postpartum depression, helping to get help. Progesterone shots are huge in helping to treat postpartum depression. So is mentorship and hands-on skills helping moms to bond with their babies. Mentorship programs are key. I've seen this in the crisis pregnancy centers. A lot of girls just need some guidance on how to be moms. I was comfortable sliding into motherhood, but I know a lot of very competent, wonderful women who felt incapable and incompetent when they entered into motherhood. And thank God many of these women had great mom and family network to support them, to help them into it. But what about those women who don't? I think that we need to give honest examples about being a parent, (laughs) My honest example, praise the Lord, my daughter slept through the night twice, two nights in a row. She has been sleep waking up three to five times a night. Sometimes it's two on occasion, but thank the Lord, I have two nights. I don't want to jinx myself, but it's not easy being that low on sleep. It makes it hard to fight off a cold. It makes it hard to wake up in the morning. We need to be honest. We need to offer support. And I think that also, you know, as moms, Catholic moms, we have a responsibility to present ourselves well to other people. I remember the story. I had just had my daughter and I was visiting my parents and we had the stroller in the back of my parents' car and my sister was out running here and she's 19 years old. And she said, I just caught, she came home all indignant. I just got complimented for being a young mom and looking nice. And I said, what? So she is putting groceries in the trunk of the car and someone sees her navigating the stroller in the trunk and this teenager comes up and says, dang girl, you look great. You look great for being a mom. And he's sitting there complimenting my 19 year old sister who was highly offended that she was being labeled as looking so old. And so she's scoffing at this guy. Uh, But my take was, I think it's important that we're trying to look presentable as women to make motherhood look attractive. Don't make it look fake. Don't put up a fake facade, but it's important to respect ourselves and also to present motherhood is something good. I'm not saying I get perfectly ready every day, but it does help me feel better. And I think it is a good example so that people aren't going around going, I don't want to look like that when I'm a mom. And yes, there is a superficial dimension to it, but beauty God created things that are beautiful. God created you. And he created us to be good stewards of our bodies. And so I do think that that's key. Uh, Again, look at the good news. Where access to abortion decreases, the women who choose life increase. And the further away from that attempted abortion that a woman gets, the happier she is with her choice. This is what a 10-year pro-abortion study showed us in the Turnaway study. The further away from that attempted abortion that woman got, the happier she was that she chose her baby. Doesn't mean she didn't have anxiety, depression, poverty. Those things we can help. And that's what we need to lean into as a community to see, to help other people see the more resources that are available than there are people wanting to kill your children. Because it's true. We just have to be able to help find those women who need the resources, who are abortion-minded and abortion-vulnerable. 
So help your local crisis pregnancy center to reach those abortion-minded women by sending people you know to them. Hey, I heard you're pregnant. If you know they're abortion vulnerable, don't even mention the abortion word necessarily. Again, prayerfully. But say, hey, there's a center that has a training program for new moms, maybe who don't have a lot of support uh, financially, for a training program for new moms who are like helping to learn hands-on skills, a bunch of great training videos and in-person training. Check them out. Help people to know about your local crisis pregnancy center. You're listening to Trending with Tim right here on Relevant Radio. I have a ton of questions that have come in on Instagram. Lauren Threckle asked on Instagram, she said, I recently saw your Jubilee video media. It was a debate I did um, with a pro-aborts. And she said, I feel called to pursue a career path in pro-life work. And she was wondering my thoughts. She shared a bunch of her expertise, but she's thinking she really wants to help in the area of working on pro-life infographics and graphic design and digital art and social media, working in communications and marketing. She said, do you have any thoughts? I think this is brilliant. I think that we need to be on the cutting edge of technology. Infographics are great. I love infographics. I think visual is wonderful. Check out different programs like Students for Life that's looking for great young talent always to be involved. Uh, Look at different pro-life organizations whose mission you can get behind and help them to be on the cutting edge of how they present the pro-life message. But I always do really speak loudly to this. You want to get involved in pro-life work. You're not always going to get involved in a ministry in the way that you want to. Sometimes you're going to have to get your hands dirty. Being involved in projects that aren't as luxurious or comfortable. We have to be adaptable when we enter into ministry work because we're here to serve, not be served, and have our ego peppered or to have only the projects we desire to work on. And I think that's key. So anyone wanting to get involved in any ministry work, especially pro-life work, we need to be willing to do the stuff that's not so pleasant as well to help save and protect lives. It's a great question. I had a question from Abraham on Instagram. He said he's been single for a long time. He has a big desire for a girlfriend. And he said, do you have any thoughts? He said, I've faced a lot of rejection. Rejection is terrible, but here's a good sign. The woman wasn't interested. Move on. You have to get over the rejection. Otherwise, you're not going to find someone. I also think it's important to focus less on getting a girlfriend than on focusing on getting to know women. I know as a woman who's been single and been to single Catholic events, sometimes you feel like you're objectified and at a cattle call by all the single men. They're ogling. Instead of ogling, actually befriend a person, get to know them, because that's how you get to know if someone is interested in you and vice versa. And sometimes putting less pressure on the girlfriend side of it and more pressure on the friendship actually allows someone to become interested in you and see past perhaps the superficial side that people tend to overemphasize sometimes when first meeting someone. I'll be back tomorrow here on Trending.